another sutta is 5.9.89. Buddha said, Monks, these five conditions lead to the decline of a monk in training. What five? Delight in work or activity, delight in gossip, delight in sleeping, delight in company, and he does not reflect on the mind as freed. Monks, these are the five conditions. And this is a very interesting sutta, in fact, a very important sutta, that, uh, where these five things uh, can obstruct a monk uh, from his cultivation. The first one is having too much work or activity, yeah? which means the monk is very much involved in teaching, in writing books, in administration, supervising others, in the construction of the temple, supervising the construction of the temple, planning, etc. And all this too much work uh, can obstruct a monk's spiritual cultivation. Uh. Second one is delight in gossip, uh, talking unbeneficial talk. Uh. The Buddha said, uh, if we want to talk, or especially monks, uh, if we monks want to talk, then we should engage in beneficial talk. Uh. And uh, beneficial talk is talk concerned with wanting little, a uh, few ones, concerned with contentment, seclusion, aloofness from society, arousing energy, virtue, concentration, wisdom, liberation, knowledge and vision of liberation, etc. These are beneficial talk. And what is uh, useless talk uh, is or unbeneficial talk uh, is what is mentioned in the suttas as tirachana kata. Tirachana kata literally means animal talk. And it means uh, low talk, uh, base talk, uh, concerned with politics, sports, entertainment, traveling, the departed, etc., etc. Uh, that is uh, not beneficial. Uh. And the third one is delight in sleeping. Mm, sleeping is one of the pleasures people get. Uh, uh, if we sleep too much, uh, our mind, uh, every time we sleep, we, it's, our mind is like a computer. Every time we sleep, uh, we, we switch off many of the circuits uh, in the mind. Uh, later to get it to, to activate them uh, is not so easy because normally in a normal day, uh, we don't use so many circuits in our computer up there. So when we meditate a lot, uh, we find uh, slowly the circuits in our brain uh, start to activate. Uh, that's why sometimes in meditation we get tingling sensation in the brain. It's like the circuits that are normally not used in the brain start to activate. So when we sleep too much, we shut off a lot of the circuits in our in our mind and it's not good. Fourth one is delight in company. That means you know, the monk likes to keep in company, talk with other people, whether monks or lay people. And the opposite is aloofness, that even though a monk stays in a monastery with other monks, he tries to be aloof. If it's necessary to talk, he talks. If it's not necessary, he does not talk. The last one, he does not reflect on the mind as free. This is quite interesting. It's a very interesting statement because it reminds us something like is mentioned in the yoga teachings, that basically, or in Zen teachings, Basically, our mind is freed. It's the, only the uh, active mind, uh, the active mind, the active consciousness, the sixth consciousness, uh, which makes us see ourselves as a human being uh, in this world of samsara. 
And uh, there's a part of us uh, that is immortal. Uh, there's a part of us that is free. Uh, and it's there all the time. Uh, the only thing is we have to realize it. Uh, so that's the end of the sutta. And the next sutta is 5.9.90. Monks, these five conditions lead to the decline of a monk in training. What five? Um, take the case of a monk in training who is always busy and has much to do and is clever at work. He lets the time for going apart slip by, nor does he apply himself to calming the heart within. This monk is the first condition that leads to the decline of a monk in training. Again, he spends the day in doing small things and lets the time for going apart slip, slip by. This monk is the second condition. Or he lives in company with householders and those gone forth in layman's company which is not fit. This monk is the third condition. Or he enters the village too early or leaves it too late. This monk is the fourth condition. Moreover, monks, such talk as is austere and a help to liberating the mind, talk on wanting little, on contentment, on seclusion, on aloofness, on arousing energy, on virtue, concentration, wisdom, on liberation, and on the knowledge and vision of liberation. That the monk in training cannot obtain at will, easily and without difficulty, and he lets the time for going apart slip by, nor does he apply himself to calming the mind within. This monk is the fifth condition that leads to the decline of a monk in training. Monks, these are the five conditions that lead to a decline of a monk in training. Uh, this basically is quite similar to what we, the previous sutta. The first one and two is the monk is busy in doing uh, work, uh, doing small things, unimportant things. The third one is he lives in company with householders and those gone forth. Uh, he likes to mix with company. Uh. The fourth one, he enters the village too early and leaves it too late. This one is concerned with, in, in the Buddha's days, uh, a monk would enter the village to beg for his food uh, on arms round. And sometimes uh, a monk who likes to chat, uh, he will stay in the lay people's house and he'll uh, maybe even eat there and, and, and take a long time to to talk there and leave the village too late. Uh, this is not encouraged by the Buddha. And then the, the last one, uh, uh, beneficial talk, uh, he's not able to obtain. Uh, these are the things that uh, hinder a monk. The next sutta is 5.10.96. Monks, possessed of five qualities, a monk practicing awareness in breathing in and breathing out, will in no long time penetrate the immovable. Of what five? He is set on little, with few duties, easily supported, well content with life's necessities. Taking food in little, he serves not his own belly. <coughs> Slothful in little, he is heedful in wakefulness. He is much learned with a retentive and well-stored mind. Those teachings, lovely in the beginning, lovely in the middle, and lovely in the end, which sets forth in spirit and letter the holy life of purity, perfect in its entirety, those teachings are much heard by him, remembered, verbally recited, carefully pondered over in mind, fully understood in theory, and he reflects on the mind as free. Monks possessed of these five qualities, 
a monk practicing awareness in breathing in and breathing out will in no long time penetrate the immovable. That's the end of the sutta. So here the sutta says that uh, when we practice anapanasati, uh, mindfulness of the breath, uh, these few things uh, are very helpful. First one, he has few duties uh, and he's easily supported, uh, contented. Uh. Second one, he takes uh, little food, uh, moderate food, uh, and does not overeat because when we eat too much, we become sleepy. It's difficult to meditate. Third one, he is heedful in wakefulness. That means does not sleep too much. Uh, tries to maintain wakefulness. The fourth one, he is much learned. This much learned uh, is, is, is stressed quite often. That means uh, we are much learned in the suttas, the saddhamma. Saddhamma refers to the discourses of the Buddha. We have uh, much knowledge of these uh, discourses of the Buddha. Then the fifth one, he reflects on the mind as freed. So these five qualities are helpful to obtain liberation. The next sutta is 5.10.99. Monks, in the evening, the lion, king of beasts, leaves his lair. He stretches himself. He looks around on the four quarters. Three times he roars his lion roar. Then he goes forth to hunt. Monks, if he strike a blow at an elephant, he strikes verily with care, not without care. If he strike a blow at a buffalo, at an ox, at a leopard, if he strike a blow at any small creature, be it but a hare or cat, he strikes with care, not without care. And why? He thinks, let not my skill fail me. A lion monks, that is a name for the Tathagata, Arahan, Samasambuddha. Verily monks, when a Tathagata teaches Dhamma in assembly, that is his lion roar. And if he teach Dhamma to the monks, he teaches with care, not without care. If he teach Dhamma to the nuns, to lay men, to lay women disciples, if the Tathagata teach Dhamma to the many folk, be they but fowlers who go about with grain, he teaches with care, not without care. And why? Filled with respect for Dhamma is the Tathagata monks, filled with reverence for Dhamma. That's the end of the sutta. So here the Buddha is saying, uh, just as a lion, when he goes out to hunt, uh, he's takes a lot of care, uh, makes sure every time uh, he makes a kill. So in the same way, the Buddha said, when the Buddha teaches the Dhamma, he also, like the lion, uh, takes a lot of care, makes sure he, he his message strikes home. Uh, so uh, that is... Uh, that's uh, about teaching Dhamma. In one of the suttas uh, later, uh, we'll find uh, the Buddha says uh, that even the Buddha has a Raja. And the Raja of the Buddha, or the Dhamma king, uh, is the Dhamma. Uh, and in another sutta, um, the Buddha, immediately after he was enlightened, uh, he contemplated whether there is another being higher than him uh, in wisdom, etc., that he should respect. Uh. And when he looked around, he saw that there's no higher being than himself. Then he wondered to himself, whom should he respect or what should he respect? Then he reflected, he thought, Dhamma is, 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 
is that uh, which he should venerate and respect. So because of veneration of the Dhamma, uh, whenever uh, the Buddha or his monks uh, teach the Dhamma, they should do so with great care, not carelessly. Uh, so it is very good uh, for a monk every time he prepares a talk, uh, I mean every time he gives a talk or something, uh, to prepare it. Uh, and um, because of that also, of respect for the Dhamma, the Buddha has made it part of the Vinaya rules uh, that when a monk teach Dhamma to lay people, they must be worthy of being taught the Dhamma. They have to show the respect. That's why uh, when lay people listen to the Dhamma, they should not sit higher than a monk. Uh, they should either sit lower or on the same level, but not higher. And also they should not, for example, uh, wear a hat. And they should also not hold the knees <laughs> together, sit properly. And uh, they should not uh, carry an umbrella or carry a stick or carry a weapon. Uh, these are all part of the Vinaya rules uh, that uh, we should, uh, out of respect for the Dhamma, uh, be quite respectful when we hear the Dhamma because there's nothing uh, help more helpful to us uh, than the Dhamma. Uh, we will realize this uh, as we grow older. Uh, there is no, no, not, nothing of such great value in the world as the Dhamma. The next sutta is 5.10.100. Now the exalted one was one staying near Kosambi in Gosita Park. And at that time, Kakuda, a Kolian, the venerable Maha Moggallana's attendant, had just died and was reborn in a mind-created body. And the form that he took was such that it filled two or three Magadan village fields. Yet that form caused suffering neither to him nor to another. And Kakuda Deva visited the venerable Maha Moggallana, saluted him and stood at one side. And so standing, he spoke thus to the Venerable One, Sir, in Devadatta has arisen this longing. It is I who will lead the order of monks. And Sir, with the arising of that thought, Devadatta's psychic power has declined. Thus spoke the Deva Kakuda. And having spoken so, he saluted the Venerable Maha Moggallana, and keeping him on his right, disappeared thence. Then went the Venerable Maha Moggallana to the Exalted One, and saluting him sat down at one side, and he told the Exalted One all that had occurred. <coughs> and, the exalted, <coughs> and the Exalted One said, What, Moggallana, have you with your mind so compassed the mind of Kakuda Deva as to know whatsoever Kakuda Deva says, all that is just thus and not otherwise. Lord, I have so compassed his mind so as to know that the mind of Kakuda, so as to know that whatsoever Kakuda Deva says, all that is just thus and not otherwise. Then the Buddha said, Then watch your words, Moggallana, watch your words, for even now the foolish fellow will betray himself. Moggallana, these are five teachers found in the world. What five? Take the case, Moggallana, of some teacher whose ways are impure, but he thinks, I am pure. 
pure are my ways, clean and stainless. But his disciples know, this worthy teacher is impure in his ways, but thinks just otherwise. If we tell the householders, he will not like it. And how can we do what he will not like? And he is honoured by gifts of the requisites, the robes, arms, lodging and medicines. What the self shall do, even by that shall the self be known. <coughs> Mogalana, the disciples protect such a teacher in his ways, and such a teacher expects this protection of his disciples. Again, Mogalana, some teacher's mode of livelihood is not pure, or his Dhamma teaching is not pure, or his exposition, or his knowledge and insight are not pure, and his disciples know. Mogalana, the disciples protect such a teacher, and such a teacher expects this protection of his disciples. These, Mogalana, are five teachers found in the world. But I, Mogalana, am pure in ways, and know that I am pure. I know that my ways are pure, clean and stainless. My disciples protect not my ways, nor do I expect this protection of my disciples. I am pure in my mode of livelihood, in Dhamma teaching, in exposition, in knowledge and insight, and I know that I am pure. I know that these things are pure within me, clean and stainless. Not as to them do my disciples protect me, nor do I expect this of my disciples. That's the end of the sutta. This sutta reveals a few things. Eh? Firstly, that the, you see, this Mahamogalana is the monk, eh? the disciple of the Buddha, with the greatest psychic power. And yet here, you can see eh, that the Deva, his former attendant, former monk attendant, I think, came to visit him eh, and uh, told him that the, the Devadatta is planning eh, that he wants to lead the Sangha of monks. Now, this is interesting because uh, you can see from here and other suttas eh, that uh, the Arahans, eh, including the Buddha, they generally eh, spend their time in meditation. Even though they had psychic power, they didn't go around trying to be inquisitive and find out uh, what this guy is thinking, what that fellow is thinking, uh, what this fellow is planning and all that. Because if, he, if, they, did, if they did that, eh, then they'll be very busy and they would be still... Uh, having attachment uh, to what's going on in the world. Uh, and uh, it's because the Buddha and his disciples, uh, they are enlightened and they see this world as appearing only in consciousness, uh, uh, a bit like a dream. Uh, that is why uh, they are not so concerned with what's going on in the world. <laughs> and the other thing that's interesting here is that, you see, this Devadatta is one of the disciples, one of the well-known disciples of the Buddha and also a relation of the Buddha. And he had, according to the Vinaya, he had ob obtained all the eight psychic powers, uh, sorry, all the eight jhanas, uh, the four uh, rupa jhanas and the four arupa jhanas. And because of that, uh, he had psychic power and uh, he had great psychic power. But because he still had this... Uh, um, greed, uh, very strong uh, greed uh, too. His ego was still very strong. He wanted to take the place of the Buddha. So because of that, uh, he was planning uh, how to take the, 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 the Buddha's place. In fact, in the Avinaya books, we find that one day uh, he approached the Buddha and told the Buddha, 
Bhagavan, now you are old, why don't you step down, let me take over and lead the Sangha. And uh, he said that three times uh, in our Vinaya books, and then the Buddha scolded him, sort of scolded him in front of the Sangha, saying that he's like a, like a spit, uh, something uh, that you spit away, and yet uh, you think you want to lead the Sangha. From there, he, the hatred for the Buddha increased, and then he planned to kill the Buddha. So here, the Deva is, is telling Mahamogalana that because of this greed, greedy thought uh, to lead the Sangha, his psychic power immediately declined. Uh, and uh, the Buddha was saying, uh, watch your words, Mogalana, watch your words, for even now the foolish fellow will betray himself. That means the, the Buddha is saying, uh, um, mark your words, lah, uh, what you are saying, uh, uh, because uh, uh, Devadatta will show his true colors lah, very soon. Uh, and the Buddha talked about the five types of impure teachers. Uh, and this um, is quite interesting that uh, there are teachers who are impure and they try to hide the fact. Uh, and the disciples also try to protect the teacher because... Uh, um, this is concerned with the personality cult. Uh, some people, uh, they hero worship a teacher and because of that, they think their teacher is famous. And so because if they uh, are a disciple of a famous teacher, they are also, they are also like that, uh, great. Uh, if their teacher is great, they are also great. So because of that, uh, they want to protect the image of their teacher. You see? And in that way, they are indirectly protecting them, their own reputation. Uh, and uh, it's clear in the Buddha's teachings uh, that we don't uh, take uh, refuge uh, with any with anybody. Uh, we only take refuge with the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. Uh, we always remember uh, we take the refuge with the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, and whatever a teacher tells us, uh, we have to compare it with the Buddha's discourses, whether it's consistent with the Buddha's discourses. If it's consistent, we accept it. If it's not consistent, the Buddha says uh, in the Anguttara Nikaya that we don't accept it. Uh, because nowadays there's a lot of personality cults around. Uh, we have to be cautious. Uh. Next sutta is 5.11.102. The Buddha said, Monks, a monk who follows after five things is mistrusted and suspected. He is thought of as an evil monk, even if he has won to the immovable. What five? Herein monks, a monk frequents a prostitute's house. He frequents a widow's house. He frequents the house of some unmarried woman. Or where a eunuch stays. Or he frequents the nuns' quarters. Verily, monks, a monk who follows after these five things is mistrusted and suspected. He is thought of as an evil monk, even if he has won to the immovable. That's the end of the sutta. This sutta is talking about the wrong resorts of a monk called the Agochara, five types of places a monk should not go often. He can go once or twice if necessary, but he keeps going there. People will, be, will suspect him of being an evil monk. And even if he has won to the immovable, according to the commentary, this means that even if he is an arahant, 
if he keeps going to these uh, few types of places, uh, people will suspect him to have evil intentions. Uh. First one is a prostitute's house. That is quite obvious. Uh. The second one is a widow's house. Uh. The third one is some unmarried woman. That means some one of middle age uh, or so, uh, an unmarried. Uh. Third one is a eunuch or a homosexual uh. Uh, if somebody is known to be a homosexual and a monk keeps going there, uh, people will naturally suspect something wrong. Or he keeps going to the nuns' quarters. Uh, uh, that also something wrong. Uh. So, that's the end of the sutta. The next one is 5.12.111. Monks, uh, pursuing five courses... A clan-going monk becomes among clan folk neither dear nor loved nor revered nor what he ought to become. What five? He is intimate with those who are unfamiliar, interfering without warrant, frequents the society of dissenters, whispers in the ear, and asks too much. Monks pursuing these five courses, a clan-going is not dear nor loved, nor revered to clan folk. That's the end of the sutta. That means uh, a monk uh, should be careful not to do these few things. Uh. The first one uh, is to be too intimate, uh, too friendly with those who are unfamiliar, probably newcomers. Uh, uh, too familiar, too close to too friendly with uh, newcomers, uh, those who are unfamiliar, uh, people who suspect something wrong. Second one, interfering without warrant. That means interfering probably in lay people's affairs uh, without uh, good reason. Maybe uh, if you're not asked uh, among uh, interfering in lay people's affairs, even, even if it's not asked. Third one, frequents the society of dissenters. That means those of wrong views, uh, those of other views. Uh, a monk keeps uh, going to them uh, also. Um, people think there's something wrong. The fourth one whispers in the ear. That means, uh, especially if a monk talks to a woman uh, and he talks in whispers uh, very softly and all that, uh, people will think he's uh, saying some uh, things that he should not be saying uh, and that he doesn't want other people to hear and uh, people will suspect uh, he's... Uh, um, uh, saying uh, words that are indecent or improper. And the fifth one, he asks too much. Uh, uh, that means uh, he asks the lay people uh, to, to give him things uh, much uh, more than uh, is reasonable. And the next sutta is 5.12.112. Monks, acting in five ways, a, a recluse or a monk uh, ought not to be taken to walk behind. What five? He keeps too far behind or too near. He takes not the arms-laden bowl. Restrains not his speech which borders on being an offense. Interrupts one time and again in speaking and is dull-witted, stupid and idiot. Monks, acting in these five ways, a recluse not, ought not to be taken to walk behind. That's the end of the sutta. This sutta is more of a, like a Vinaya concerns a disciplinary rule of monks because um, 
a recluse ought not to be taken to walk behind, that means uh, he should not be taken as a disciple. When a monk uh, follows a senior monk, uh, uh, he becomes a sort of a disciple. So here, a lot of this refers to body language. The first one, he keeps too far behind or too near. That means when they go on arms round, the junior monk, uh, he either walks too far behind or he walks too near and and steps on your on your heels or something. Uh. So from this, uh, you can see uh, that that junior monk is not um, respectful. Uh, if he walks too far or, or too near, uh, instead of keeping a proper distance, uh, because um, this is one of the ways uh, um, a senior monk uh, can tell whether the junior monk uh, is respectful to him or not. Uh. Um, the second one, he takes not the arms-laden bowl. Uh, this is nowadays uh, is not much seen except like in the forest tradition in uh, Thailand uh, where the monks go on arms round and then uh, out of respect for the senior monk, uh, usually a junior monk uh, will volunteer to take the senior monk's bowl. That means uh, when he comes back on arms round, he's already got his bowl full uh, and then he takes the senior monk's bowl again, puts it uh, on his uh, on his neck and uh, the... the, the a strap on his neck, so he carries two bowl. And uh, this is uh, if if uh, if you go to Thailand, you can see this uh, junior monks taking the senior monks bowl. And on top of that, now uh, they hurry back to the monastery. They arrive in the monastery before the senior monk and get the water ready uh, for washing the feet, so that when the senior monks come back, uh, they wash their feet, uh, wash the feet of the senior monks. It's uh, it's all part of the training. Uh, because uh, especially when a person is new in monkhood, uh, we have a lot of our own um, bad habits. Uh, we are whole fixed ways of thinking, and and when we train as a monk, we are trying to cut our ego. See? So it's all very good training uh, for a junior monk uh, to wash the feet of a senior monk. Let's see when he comes back as muddy and all that, uh, and. Um, and then after that, when the monk steps into the hall, uh, the, the, the junior monks will take the towel and all that and wipe his feet clean. Uh, if you're not used to it, you think it's a bit humiliating uh, to do all this thing, but it's all very good training. Mm. And then the third one, he restrains not his speech, which borders on being an offense. That means uh, this, this guy, uh, he doesn't watch his feet, his, his speech. He uh, talks things, uh, which is almost... Uh, uh, breaks the precepts. Uh, and the uh, fourth one, he interrupts the senior monk uh, again and again. Uh, when the senior monk is speaking, uh, he says something uh, to interrupt the senior monk and uh, this is not being respectful. And the last one, uh, this, this junior monk is a fool. Uh, so uh, these, uh, if, 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 if the monk, uh, this junior monk is such, uh, then uh, the senior monk can ask him to leave. Uh, he's not uh, showing enough respect. Uh, uh, if you go to a good uh, monastery, yeah, a good uh, like a Thai forest monastery, you find there's a lot of discipline and a lot of uh, ways of behavior which uh, a lay person generally is not used to. Like, it takes some getting used to, but it's all very good training.
That's why if you see um, senior forest monks, uh, when they go anywhere, there is a junior monk who accompanies them, who serves them, does everything for them. When they are about to sit down, he puts the sitting cloth for the senior monk to sit. Uh, when the senior monk wants to go on arms round, he brings the rope for the senior monk to wear, and then uh, brings the bowl, etc. Next sutta is 5.12.113. Monks possessed of five qualities, a monk cannot enter and abide in right concentration. What five? Here in monks, a monk cannot endure sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and touches. Monks possessed of these five qualities, a monk cannot enter and abide in right concentration. That's the end of the sutta. Here, this Sutta is saying uh, that uh, if a monk cannot endure sight, sound, smells, taste and touches, uh, then he cannot compose his mind. Why? Because uh, these sight, sounds, etc. can distract him. Either distract him, uh, he is so distracted he cannot compose his mind, or they discomfort him so much uh, that he can't bear the discomfort. Uh, and he is so agitated by it uh, that he cannot compose his mind. Uh, uh, the first jhana, for a person to enter the first jhana, in the definition of the first jhana, the Buddha said, uh, secluded from sense desires, secluded from unwholesome conditions, a monk enters and abides in the first jhana. So, a person has to be able to uh, become aloof uh, from the world of the five senses, uh, sight, sound, smell, taste and touches, uh, before he can enter the the uh, jhana.